first. Pardon for sin and a peace that endureth. Thine own give presence to cheer and to guide. Strength for today and rival for this evening saints amen we might be a little fewer in number but that's all right we don't need numbers to enter into this all just enter together i want to sing the song sister Marilyn wrote i have an anchor in my life amen i think we know most of the words there i think it's 365 there we go that's the one with all the trouble around me how discouraged i could be yet in my heart there's a deep settled peace is that your testimony Amen. Let's join our voices together as we worship him. Our brother Michael's going to come. The man of God has set himself aside, so let's do our part now to create the atmosphere of the work and come. With all the trouble around me, oh, how discouraged I could be. Yet in my heart, there's a deep sense.
Yeah.
he's already provided as we just prepare to go to prayer this evening. Brother Alex, Lord Gillier, could I please ask you if you would come open the service for us in a word of prayer as we sing this chorus. We don't have any written prayer requests tonight, amen, but we've sung some good confessions. Great is thy faithfulness, amen. Now he's already provided. So if there's a need in your heart, maybe you can just hold it up before the Lord as we'll sing this chorus and our brother Alex will come. Oh, he's already provided. Yes, he's already provided. Oh, everything you need, he's already provided. And every Father, it's an honor and privilege to be here in your presence, Lord Jesus, in the presence of your children. We ask you, Lord, tonight that we will continue what you've been doing through the camp meetings for us, for our children, for our families, Lord. We ask a greater portion of the Holy Ghost tonight, a greater portion, Lord Jesus. Let your people be hungry, Lord, for more of God. I pray, dear Heavenly Father, you forgive us all our trespasses, our iniquity, anything that will hinder our faith. And let faith rise within the hearts of your children tonight to claim every promise of God. As we have crossed the Jordan, Lord Jesus, we're in the land of promise where everything is possible. We ask you, Lord Jesus, anoint Brother Mike and, and speak your word, Lord. Quicken 
our hearts, Lord. Quicken your words in our hearts, Lord, tonight, Lord. Help us to go back home rejoicing and taking uh, precious sheep with us, Lord. We ask your Holy Ghost to come and take complete control of every spirit and, and, and that, that you will have your way in our lives, Lord. And make us warriors out there in the field, Lord Jesus, to win the loss, my Father. Every promise you have provided, everything, Lord Jesus. Give us space tonight, we pray in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. seats. Amen. We're going to invite our brother Michael to come at this time. Maybe we could just sing that song, Egypt, You're the God Who Answers. Uh, There we go. I won't forget the wonder of how you brought deliverance and the exodus of my heart. And I think we have the song right in I don't like to spring things on our musicians, but they're very gracious. (laughs) Amen, Brother Michael. Why don't you come at this time as we sing this? We'll just start with the first verse. I won't forget the wonder of how you brought deliverance, the exodus of my
Amen. Has he torn apart the sea? There were some Red Seas walked through these past few weeks, hasn't there? Amen. He tore the deep apart. What looked like the impossible became possible. Amen. You walked through it. Amen. And what happened is the scripture says, the Egyptians that were your taskmasters, that were whipping you on the back, that were binding you in sin, chains of darkness, you'll see them no more. Amen. Because God parted the Red Sea for you and closed it back up so the devil can't come and get you no more. Glory. Amen. That's my God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You're the God who fights for me. Lord of every victory. Lord, we will not hesitate. We will not, Lord, hold back our praise, Lord Jesus. Lord, surely after what you've done for us these past weeks, Lord, and even months and the end of the years, you've been so good. Lord, as the songwriter penned down the goodness of God, Lord, we just want to tell you how much we love you tonight, how much we appreciate you tonight, Lord, living in the presence of the King, as the song says, Lord. Lord, how I sat there on Sunday morning, Lord, I just said, my cup runneth over. Oh, Lord, to hear the testimony and to hear what you're doing in the young and the old, Lord, all through the congregation. Lord, you are so good to your people. Your grace is so wonderful. Your mercy is so great. Lord, we give you praise this evening. Lord Jesus, that our hearts would just bubble over. Our mouths would, Lord, just exude, Lord, our praise and worthiness to the King of glory. Lord, we love you, Lord, with a great love. We desire your presence, Lord, with a great desire. Lord, that it wouldn't just be a moment in time, but a continuation, an outpouring, Lord, a continual outpouring. Lord, not just a, just a, a moment, Lord, in your presence that we hold on to past, but may the fire still fall. May the flame still burn. Oh, God, amongst your people, Lord, we desire, Lord, maybe tonight, Lord, what do you desire tonight? What's your desire? Lord, men might have their thoughts and their ideas, but Lord, that means nothing. What means everything to us is your passion, your will, your desire in this service, we pray. We commit it to you now and all that will be said and done. Lord, may your whole presence, Lord, your holy atmosphere brood over us this night, we pray. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. Amen. God bless you. Thank you, musicians. We'll turn to Scripture tonight. Nice to see everybody out on a Wednesday. Sunny, hot Wednesday. Hope you're enjoying the heat. Fall is around, unfortunately, the corner. So hold on to every bit we've got, huh? But I've enjoyed our summertime. All right. A few of you have. Well... I know a few summers that have been pretty miserable, so I really enjoyed this summer this year. It's been wonderful. Thank the Lord for a little bit of the sunshine we've had. Those on the internet who hear about our rain, we've had the best summer ever. <laughs> so take that. Romans 8, we'll turn to a very familiar scripture tonight. Eight and 28. 
few scriptures to read. I'll maybe just read this, and then you can have your seats, and I'll maybe read, read a few more together. We know this scripture so well, and we know that all things work together for the good to them that love God. And about 99% of the world usually stop there, and that's about all they quote all the time. They just say, well, all things work together for the good. (laughs) All things work together for the good. Well, that's the scripture indeed, but there's another part. It says, to them. There's a specific people. To them who are called according to his purpose. So people can take that scripture, and I would say maybe even out of context, because they just say, well, it all works together for the good, and everything works together, and, and I would have to say that not everybody, unfortunately, is to them. There's a specific people that's included in that word there, and I would pray that's everybody here tonight. Amen. To them who are called according to his purpose. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, he also called. Amen? Whom he called, them he justified. And whom he justified, he also glorified. Amen? He didn't just stop at predestination, but he called then, and he justified, and then he glorified. He went all the way to the end. Amen? Amen. Why don't we turn also to, before we sit down, Romans 9, basically one page over. Might seem like a... Well, the scripture to tie together. Lord, help me to tie it. Maybe he has other plans tonight, so maybe we won't. But we'll start there. Romans 9 and 11. I'll maybe just go through this rather quickly for the sake of time. But Paul is speaking to the Romans here. For the children, not being not yet born, neither having done any good or evil, that the purpose of God according to election might stand. Amen. The purpose of God, that it might stand. Not of works, but of him that calleth. It was said unto her that the elder shall serve the younger. Speaking of Jacob and Esau, as it is written, Jacob have I loved, but Esau have I hated. What shall we say then? Is there unrighteousness with God? God forbid. For he saith to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I have mer- I will have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. So then it is not of him that willeth, nor him that runneth, but of God that showeth mercy. For the scripture saith unto Pharaoh, even for the same purpose, I have raised thee up, and I'm, that I might show my power in thee, and that my name might be declared throughout all the earth. Therefore, hath he mercy on whom he will have mercy, and whom he will hardeneth. Thou wilt say then unto me, why doth he yet find fault? For whom, for who hath resisted his will? Nay, but, O man, who art thou that repliest against God? Shall the thing formed... Say to him that formed it, Why hast thou made me thus? Hath the potter not power over the clay of the same lump to make one vessel unto honor and another unto dishonor? What if God, willing to show his wrath and to make his power known, endured with much long suffering the vessels of wrath fitted to destruction, and that he might make known the riches of his glory on the vessels of mercy, which he had afore prepared unto glory, even us. Amen. Amen. There we are in Scripture. Even us whom he hath called, not of the Jews only, but also of the Gentiles. Amen. Amen. Lord, have blessed the word and the reading of it. You may have receipts tonight. If I read another Scripture, Ephesians 1, 9 says, Having made known unto us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, 
which he hath purposed in himself. That the dispensation of the fullness of times he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in him, in whom we also have obtained an inheritance, being predestinated according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will. Amen. Lots of scripture to chew on there tonight. You pretty much just say, well, let's ponder that for the evening and go home. Because <laughs> that's the word of God is more than anything I can say tonight. But I'm just going to relax a little bit, and we'll just maybe conclude. I, ha- I trouble, I tr- well, travailed, not quite travailed, but uh, I struggled over d- the title. And uh, I'm going to just maybe go with a, the last little bit of, a, I would say, my first part three. It took me a while to get to part two, and it's taken this long to get to part three for me. So here we are, number one on the list. You can't break this fellowship. So we started just before camp. We said you can't fake it. can't fake the fellowship. But... Uh, Tonight's you can't break it. <laughs> All right? And if I would even subtitle that, I'd say formed for an eternal purpose. Or maybe built to take the heat. How's that? Now you've got three titles to pick from. Pick whatever one you will tonight. But um, it's important to have a purpose. A lot of the scripture we read tonight, to them who are called according to his purpose. And, you know, no, no purpose. Many people don't have a purpose. To be honest, without a purpose, you have no, to me, it leads to really a lack of drive and really all the way down to depression, to be honest, because you just sit there with nothing. You got no purpose in life. You got nowhere to go. You're just kind of spinning your wheels doing Zippo. And it really just, you just kind of become very unproductive. And to be honest, if you don't have a purpose, uh, you know, where are you going? You can, and I think we're built to have purpose. And, uh, and so it can be, you know, anybody have those kind of days? I had one just a bit ago. We were, my son will chuckle with me here. We were, it was one of those days we were like, we should do, you know, we want to do something. You know, but it just wasn't, nothing was clicking. You know, it was like, well, what can we do? It was too late in the day, you know. What, and you just, ah, and then you just feel like you're doing nothing. So then you're wasting the night along. And you're like, there's just no purpose to this night. I hate this kind of evening. And it kind of gets you really, you know, upset. But, uh. I don't like those kind of nights, you know, it's like there's just no purpose, what should, you know, so it's, it's good to have purpose, amen, you know, a lot of people have certain purposes, certain men of, of, of the past, you know, people had, I thought about, you know, the discoverers, you know, the explorers of the old, they, they really, their purpose was to just, you know, map the whole known earth, you know, they went out there with one lone purpose, you know, with a ink and quill and paper and parchment and I'm going to map this place. I'm going to go and find this, you know, the new strait or, you know, the, the uh, Drake Strait or whatever it is there. You know, this was their whole sole purpose in life was to get on a boat and go around the world. I felt bad for Columbus. You know, he thought he's, he found the, uh, the new world in 1492, but uh, really actually 500 years before the, the Norwegians had found it already. And here he thought his whole purpose was there, but it was blown away before he knew it. But it, so here was his purpose. Some of their purpose is to win a, win a cup or a trophy. That's their, they, they give everything for that soul desire. Some, it's to eradicate popul- pollution, maybe even garbage and waste. And even Greta Thunberg, I think her life's purpose is to fight climate change. That's her sole passion in life. Everything she does is for one purpose. That's it. She's willing to be arrested. She's willing to, 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 to do whatever it takes just to bring awareness to climate change. Well, the climate change we're dealing with right now, I'm okay with. But uh, Purpose. You say, well, what is purpose? Purpose is it's, it's something that a person sets before himself. It's an object to be reached or accomplished. It's the end or aim to which the view is directed. And I want you to just focus that, the, that purpose always has an end. It's an intent or design or a resolve to determine on some end or object to be accomplished. Purpose always has an end view. 
Okay, it's never a half. When you have some purpose, you're always looking to the far end of it to see if you can accomplish it. You know, God doesn't have, God has purpose. God doesn't have, uh, he doesn't have a halfway mark. God has an end view. Amen, he's always looking. There's never a day when God's intended purpose never, you know, doesn't come to pass. It's like, oh, well, I just didn't achieve it today. No, God's purpose is always achieved. I mean, he's a God of order. He's got a purpose. He's not haphazard. He's got a perfection. You know, when he created creation, you know, he, he created something, you know, things like the, the whole, you know, precipitation, the whole cycle there, evaporation, all that business. You know, God didn't haphazardly do that and be like, wow, I didn't even know that was going to happen. You know, imagine that, the, the water evaporating out of the ocean and the heat drawing that up. It wasn't, it wasn't he knew an end goal. That was going to happen when he did that. Amen. Each animal he created in its certain state, some cold-blooded and some warm-blooded and all the different aspects of creation. It didn't surprise God that, he, that you know, some warm-blooded animal sat in the sun and, and received energy out of it and allowed him to, to function. He's like, wow, I didn't even know that was going to happen. No, God's purpose is perfect. It didn't surprise him. You know, God's, God, something didn't surprise him in creation or whichever when he did all of these all the brooding and the cooing over the over the earth and bring different things to form nothing surprised him because he had purpose and he saw the end of it that's our god amen but i want to focus tonight a little bit on god's purpose that we've been talking about as brother branham in christ the mystery god revealed but brother Branham said god had a purpose a threefold purpose We've gone over that a couple services, and so maybe just pull from some of the some from some memory, maybe a little bit. Uh, we'll rehearse a little, but just bring kind of an end to this thought for myself. And the first thing is, but Abraham said the first thing was that God wanted to reveal Himself to His people. That was the first part of the threefold purpose. The second was to have the preeminences. And so God was going to reveal himself as a great spirit that filled all time and space. He then wanted to reveal himself to his people. And there he came into, into the body and, and, and poured himself into Christ. And there then the second of the threefold purpose was to have preeminence in his church, in his body. And so therefore then after uh, he sent his Holy Spirit that he could have the preeminence in you and I. And then the third aspect of this purpose, as again we look at the end goal, God didn't do a halfway it wasn't, well, I'm going to stop right there. I'm going to reveal myself, and that's it. It's, it's over. No, God had a purpose, and he was going to make sure he gets to the end of it. Amen? So his threefold purpose was then to thirdly restore the kingdom to its rightly position. That fell by sin, the first Adam and, and Eve there, back to where he walked in the cool of the evening of the garden, where he could walk and talk with his people, where he could have fellowship with Eve again. Amen? This, this second Eve, he would be able to have fellowship with them. And so I just want to talk about how God... Really, in between numbers two and three, there's a span of time. Because for God to have preeminence, and we've been in that span of time before, and we're, we're on our way, we could say to that the fulfillment of the third part of this purpose. But God is not going to relax. God's not going to stop. And God's not going to allow anything to hinder or halt his purpose to come to pass. Amen? Amen? So he's that kind of God. But Abraham says, now we want to draw first into our mind that there's not one thing that can destroy us until his purpose, until the purpose of, who he, of, purpose of he who created us has been fulfilled. There could do nothing. We are made for a purpose. All right? You're made for a purpose. But Abraham says, the church here was built for a purpose. The foundation was not dug, or the cornerstone laid, or the blocks laid into the building, or the roof or the interior was not put here just to see if it could be done. 
God didn't just create something for it to be done. Well, I could do it. Look at that. Could you be amazed at that? No. God did it for a purpose. He said the clothes you wear is for a purpose. The food you eat is for a purpose. And God did not just have to make a tree to just be a tree, he said. And God did not make you, and he did not make me, just to see if he could do it. He made us for a purpose. Therefore, he said there's a purpose of us all being here. And you're not just here to be another human being. You're not just here to fill time. I hope you're not here to fill time in a pew tonight. Well, I'm just here to be a congregation member. I'm here to fill the the Wednesday night service and, and just be here because I do. That's not your purpose. God has a specific plan for you. You're here because God made you for some purpose. You're not just here to eat food that God growed, he said. You're not here to live in a house, no matter how little you are or how big you are or how unimportant or important you feel you are. You are here to serve a purpose. All right. You know, some people, they're keenly aware of their purpose. They, they, it's like they're born and they know it already. Others, naturally speaking. Others, maybe they, got, they, they search for a little while. You know, I, a scripture, we talked about Pharaoh. Scripture spoke of Pharaoh. And I thought, poor Pharaoh. You know, he was mold, here he was a molded vessel, really of wrath. And he thought his sole purpose was likely to build an empire of Egypt, to build it mighty, the greatest kingdom, probably the, super, the superpower of that time. And here Pharaoh thought this was his purpose. But really, actually, the real purpose of Pharaoh was that God's power could be displayed. <laughs> Brother Branham says, Paul said in nine chapters, hasn't the potter got power over the clay? And here Brother Branham said, Pharaoh tried his best to repent. Probably haven't read that quote yet, have you? Mm-hmm. Brother Branham said he was kind-hearted. I know. I read that too, and I was like, wow. I said the same thing. (laughs) He said, sure, I'll let you go. Go on. And God said, no, you ain't. I'm just reading a quote. God said, no, you ain't. I'm going to harden his heart so you can't do it because God's word has to be fulfilled. Amen? Amen. Here Pharaoh actually, Brother Brown says, was kind-hearted. Well, sure, I'll let the people go. No, you ain't. And here Pharaoh's purpose was getting completely altered because God had a purpose. God's purpose is much higher than your and my purpose. You might think you have some way, some desire, but God says, mm-mm, that ain't happening. You might think you're going this direction and Satan's running you ragged one way and God said, that's not the purpose I brought you here for, so I'm going to grab you out of that because I've got a greater purpose for you. Amen. God's purpose overrides anybody's purpose, even the mighty Pharaoh who, who, was, intent, who was happened to be kind-hearted. No, you ain't, he said. And if we're living in this day, formalities and things has been broken, the church down, broke away. God's, he says, why it's God's word being fulfilled. These signs would follow them that believe. As sure as God said these churches would be like they are now, God also said this opposition would meet it. So the same God that ordained signs and wonders ordained that these should be persecuting against it. So don't be surprised. If there's some hardships or there's some some difficult moments or there's opposition to the Word of God because God ordained it for it to be so. Amen? So there you are, Brother Abraham says, and if you're on the other side, I feel sorry. Me too. He says, you can't be a Christian lest God chooses you. Amen? No man can come to me except my Father draws him. And so it's it's a wonderful thing 
just to think about God has a purpose. And we can really ponder that and think about the purpose of God and how it will be manifest and God will move kingdoms and, and change even the hearts of, of rulers of a kingdom like Pharaoh and, and harden his heart so that God's power could be displayed. Wow, you got no, what a mighty God we serve. But that's, that's, that's wonderful. And, and you could, but I want to bring it down to you and say, what's your purpose? A little bit. You know, we can, you know, well, I'm a lawyer or I'm a doctor or maybe I'm a welder or some, some tradesman or something like that. But it has to go farther past your natural purpose in life. I want to dig a little bit deeper. You have to, you have to see yourself in here to find your real purpose. This is where your purpose lies. If you don't see to find your purpose in here, I like to say, well, then where are you? Because y- y- you have to find yourself in here. Amen. He said, this, this, this is the book of life, is it not? Yeah. Amen. It holds all life. It's redemption. It holds it all. But you need to see your name in here to really find the real purpose of your life. Yeah. I mean, like, brother, brother Biscoll took a little example many years ago. And he said, you know, if there was a biography and there was a book and you started to read, you didn't know who was in the book and you just began to read it. And he said, well, I don't know what, what this is all about. And you start to turn the pages in the book. And you start reading about different circumstances and places. And you're like, oh, I, I know that place. And, and you start to read the story. And, and suddenly, you know, the book starts to tell of, of somebody. And there was a, a, a father. And his name was Tom. And, oh, I, wait, my father's Tom. And you keep reading through the book. And, well, there's a mother. And, and her name is Joanne. Wait a second. My mom's Joanne, and then they had three children, and you start reading the story, and oh, there's three, three boys, and their names, hey, this is about me. This, this book's my book. I'm in here somewhere. That's what this needs to be to you. As you start to read the book, this book of life here, you start, wait a second, that's me in there. Yeah, I, I didn't know this is what it's about me. You start to see exactly where you are in the Word. Amen. Something in you, it moves from just being a book. Amen? Just a book to your book. This is the book of who I am, actually. Amen? Because you start seeing yourself in the Word of God, right? Amen? Scriptures start to become alive. Instead of just, you hear in a scripture, it says, Oh, for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. You start to read it, Well, for God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son to me. Because something starts to quicken. Because there's a call from a seed of God that starts to read scripture personally. Amen? You say, My goodness, now they are the sons of God. Wait, wait a second. Not now. Now I. Now I am the son or daughter of God. Or I, I was born in sin shaped. Yes, indeed, that's me. I was born in sin. I was shaped in iniquity. Your whole world starts to become revelated because it's revealing who you are. You start to identify yourself, whether it's with Peter, as Jesus revealed himself to him, whether it's with Legion, who was broken, his chains were broken. Whether it's in Ephesians, according as he hath chosen us, me, me, personal, becomes a personal book before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and without blame, amen, before him in love. You say, well, that's exactly who I am. I am blameless. I am spotless because the blood of Calvary was shed for me. And it starts to not just tell you who you are, but it's a book of prophecy. And it starts to tell you what your purpose is and where you're going. Amen. 
And man, it's very important. And so it becomes, you start to realize a little bit more of who, who, who you are, where you come from, where you're going, that your purpose as God's purpose is to bring a spotless bride, to bring a blameless bride, to become, uh, to become somebody that is unbreakable or un- be, uh, unable to be disconnected from the fellowship of God. Amen? Amen. I think about the time when they were walking on the road to Emmaus and the two disciples there were walking and they were so distressed and, and distraught about what was happening. They were downcast and in their... In their, in their uh, composure and such and turmoil and why are you so heavy laden as, as one just kind of walked up to them and, and started to ask them he said well aren't you a stranger here you know don't you know what has happened and start to tell about the events to hear that you know Jesus of Nazareth a prophet now I noticed in scripture if you go to John that's what they say if I could go here quick enough to you and read it for you I don't have the time to pull that but he said Jesus of Nazareth a great prophet And I thought, my, they hadn't recognized who he was quite yet. Because he was more than a great prophet. He was the son of the living God. He was the Christ, the anointed one. And so here, Jesus then comes up beside them and he starts to expound to them all the scriptures. Amen. Here was Jesus, who had just come raised from the dead, resurrected in a glorified body, stepping now in beside them and start walking. And the word starts to take the word and starts to unveil who he is to them. He starts to strip away the sealed areas that they didn't have any idea of. And so God starts to peel away scripture after scripture, prophecy after prophecy, revealing this is actually who this was. And so they start to hear, oh, who this is. And then their eyes were opened. Hallelujah. Once they saw who he was, then they recognized, wait a second. If he's the risen Lord, if he's been resurrected from the dead, all my hope is in him. Then if he rose from the dead, I remember he said to us that I'll be in you, even with you, even in you to the end of the world. I in you and you in me. Wait a second. If I'm in him and he just raised from the dead, what does that make me? And so then when it was revealed to them who the word was, in their midst, it then showed them where their hope was and what they had ahead of them and who they were and what their purpose was. And my goodness, they went from there. I can tell you, Cleopas and his friend had a new renewed purpose of life. Amen. As they walked from that moment, they were different because they could go from an encounter, seeing the word on display that revealed himself to them. And they said, my goodness. And they went and tore the world up. Nathaniel and Philip purpose was changed when Philip then Jesus revealed himself to Philip and said come follow me Philip we don't know all the aspects around that but something happened because the word in flesh all he had to say was come Philip follow me and something ignited in Philip's heart, said, this is the one. This is the one I've been waiting for. This is the Messiah. Something ignited inside and revealed to him where he was. His whole world, his purpose changed because the word was revealed to him. And then he came running and he said, Nathaniel, I found him. 
It changed his world. When the world word is revealed to you in your day of who Jesus Christ really is to you, a personal God. Nathaniel, I found him. What are you talking about? How do you think we, what do you mean? You've been looking for, for the Messiah for 1,500 years plus whatever years, and you think you've just found him? <laughs> All he said was, just come and see. Come and see for yourself. Come and have your own personal encounter with the living God. Come and have it. Come into the presence of Jesus of Nazareth, and you'll see Nathaniel. <laughs> Nathaniel stepped in under the scene. Can you imagine that moment? Brother Branham talks about it so often. But it was Nathaniel's moment to come in and encounter and become and, re- and see a living God in flesh revealed before him. And he says, who is I? Here's one in whom there is no guile. How do you know me? Because <laughs> I seen you <laughs> under the tree before Philip called you. What did that do? That altered his whole life. His purpose was re- redefined as he became a disciple of the living God because he became, he encountered the word revealed in flesh in his hour. Amen. Wasn't that the woman at the well? My goodness, one of the most, probably the most quoted scriptures or encounters of scripture that Brother Branham speaks about so often. So I don't feel bad talking about that encounter either because he did. But here it was unfolding. Christ was enfolding himself before her. Here he was there in the scriptures and she was pondering and you know, we're, we're wanting to worship and you know, the time will come when you'll worship in spirit and in truth and there was talking back and forth there between her. Her heart is craving for something. She's desiring something. She's a mess in her life. But there was Christ, the word in flesh sitting before her and she though was as, as he was speaking to her and the word was being unfolded to her, she started to realize that she was part of this because she said unto him, she said, well, when the Messiah cometh, he'll show us all these things. He said, I that speak to you am he. Amen. And so there she then realized now she's part of this purpose. She was now a part of something as God sparked a spark in her little life. And she started to see that she was part of the revealing of the word in her day. Then she said, come see a man that knew all these things of my life. Changed her whole world. Amen. She was part. She became part. We read in scripture her part of the word revealed in her day. She was connected with it. And her purpose now changed. She became a memorial unto all in scripture for you and I even. And this, re- this recognition, this revelation, when Christ becomes real to you, it's unbreakable. As we know, the gates of hell cannot prevail against it. But it bound her, this woman at the well, it bound her now to Christ. She became part of this fellowship with an unbreakable chain. And when you see yourself in Scripture, you see yourself sinless, blameless. That's God's purpose. God's purpose is not for you to see yourself as a sinner and leave you there. Well, I'm a sinner. Uh Uh-huh. But there's more to it than that. He didn't just justify you, sanctify you, but he's bringing you all the way to a glorified state. Isn't that what scripture said, amen? To where you can say, wait a second, I'm not a a sinner, but I've been saved by grace and I'm sinless and spotless. Hallelujah. And that's where our purpose in in the scripture, 
becomes revealed as, we, as, the, as, it, as, our, as it reveals himself to you, the scriptures in this generation here, this age, I'd say we have a final or a unique and final purpose. And that's why this message was sent to this day. To give indication, if I could say it this way, or to bring to your attention that we are a chosen for a final task. Amen. Amen? There's a final purpose that this generation is chosen for. Hallelujah. And so let's not get lost in this age. Let's not get lost in Laodicea and all of the different aspects of it and forget actually why you're here. Oh, sorry. Oh, I'm a Christian. Wonderful. I'm a believer. Well, that's great. Oh, I'm a man. I, I believe this message. Why are you here? Why are you here? You're here so that God has a witness, as we heard on Sunday, that he's a living God in this day. The culmination, if I could put it this way, the last portion of people that God is expressing himself through before the transition to the third phase of his purpose. That's what you're here for. That's why this message came. It's to call you to your purpose. To say it's time. This is the time. Amen. Moses was sent to a certain time. Why deliverance was on the scene. It was the moment when God said, all right, I need a prophet to the day. I needed to get him out there and say, it's time, Israel, for deliverance. Glory. It's time. That's why John the Baptist came. It's time. The Messiah is on the scene. And I'm going to point you to him. It's time, Israel. Paul was there on the scene, comes out of Arabia. Why? Because it was time for a church to be born. And that's the message of this day. A prophet screaming out, it's time. Hallelujah. Awake. Get out of slumber. It's here. The end time is here. God's purpose to bring a bride to Eden beauty. It's here. Hallelujah. We can have that same encounter as the road to Emmaus. There they were with Jesus Christ, the Son of Man. Here we are in this day when the Son of Man is revealed in this hour, unveiling himself, the Word, unveiling the Word, slipping the seals off and saying, this is who I am, so that you could know this is who you are, and your purpose is to defeat and put your foot on an enemy. That's why this message came. So that this day, as Brother Brown preached the message, these scriptures are fulfilled. Amen? A spotless bride. That's the scripture you read to be a spotless, blameless. That's this day. A spotless bride. Amen. You're built. You're handcrafted, if I could say. As the scripture, as the potter put a clump of clay. You know, in scripture, if you go back there, it says at the beginning, of the same lump to make one vessel unto honor and one to dishonor. Out of humanity, God could reach down and out of the muck and the miry clay, put a hand of God on a clump and it's you. And right beside, out of that same clump of miry clay of humanity, someone is left to the other side, a vessel of dishonor. But the grace of God reached down, grabs you.
Put you on the wheel. It starts to spin. And the hands of a savior start to mold and handcraft a vessel of mercy for a final age. Building somebody. God's saying, I'm going to put in him, I'm going to put in her the ability to respond to my messenger. Hallelujah! God had you on the wheel, the hands of the master potter. He's crafting you. He's crafting a certain set of people. I can see he takes them off the shelf. He says, these are the ones I've saved for the last day. I've got something special that I'm going to mold into them. i got something special I'm going to craft into their vessel and their design. It's going to be a certain response, a certain call. When my messenger goes forward and speaks the word, they're going to say, yes, that's why I'm here. I'll tell you that purpose, it can't be broken. What God molds, no devil ain't going to break. He ain't walking into that pottery house and making a wrecking ball out of it. Uh -uh. God's got the best security system known to man. He's got the barriers of the Holy Ghost hedged about his people. He says, you can't touch it. As he said in Revelation, touch not the oil and the wine. You can't have her revelation. You can't have what she knows or who she is. She's the bride and you can never take it away. You've been built. You know, many things have certain functions. Our body has certain functions. You know, our heart has valves and compartments and all these businesses. So that blood can flow. So the end goal is life. I mean, there's a certain form and function so that an end, end game can come out. Our lungs, you know, we have certain things in our lungs for ex- extensive surface area so that oxygen can transfer so that we can have life. I mean, it's not this is there for nothing. It's like, wow, what's this for? Uh, you know, I think the, the appendix is, you know, kind of around that zone. It's like, what's that for? Man doesn't know, but there was a purpose. But if you're not built right, there's certain problems that can come to be. If you can't, if, if, when power comes, I was looking at certain structures that were built that man thought they were the right design. But when, when a certain power came that was maybe unexpected, it couldn't handle it. One was the World Trade Center that was built to, according to man, structurally safe and sound. But when something arrived that was unexpected, that blasted into the building, it caused a problem and the structure collapsed because it wasn't built for that intended purpose. Or there was a bridge in Tacoma, believe it or not, that I didn't even know about. That 40 mile an hour winds came along and it was not built correctly. It became the bucking bridge, they called it, and it actually swayed and completely collapsed numerous years ago because it wasn't built for, for, to handle 40 mile an hour winds. Who'd have thought? Or there was a dam in China on 75. It was built to withstand a one in 1,000 year flood. But apparently a one in 2,000 year flood came along and it completely blew through the dam. That's what happened in 1975. And 200,000 people died as a result of the catastrophe because a power came behind it that it wasn't intended or couldn't handle. 
Amen. A power came through or a force that it was beyond its capacity to take care of. But that's where a lot of people today is they're not built to handle maybe the power or the impact of the word of this hour. They don't have the ability to process it because it's not in them. Their structure, spiritual fabric is not built that way. But there's a people. There's a people that can respond. Amen. Some don't respond. They sit in the service. And you're like, my goodness, how is the power of God not able, is not touching their heart. And you say, Lord, can you just break through? And some reject it and turn away as we've seen many over the years. And the, the, the world blinds them to some. And, uh, but they're, they're just not able to receive it. And like a broken dam, the power of God moves, but it just blasts through and there's no effect and it actually causes and it just blew, blows through their life and no impact. There's no, no channeling of the power. But you're a people that are intricately built. You're no DIY job to God. You're not just some do-it-at-home project. You're masterfully crafted. A master builder, master potter, as we say. And from the outside, you might not look like maybe a really incredible vessel. You might call, you think yourself, well, I'm, I'm really nothing or I just have these problems and this issue and so on and so forth. But you're molded in a certain way for a certain power. And I think back into Acts at the day of Pentecost where there was just a humble group of people that went into an upper room and many thought these just were unilliterate, don't know nothing, people kind of think don't know how to write their name. But they had been made by a master potter because a power that the world had never even seen yet was going to flow through them and turn the world upside down. It's the same as in this day when there's a group of people who have been molded and shaped and formed and built to handle a power. I wish I could have stayed there for a little while. You've been built to channel the end time message in this day. To bring it to fulfillment. Amen. The scripture says you must prophesy again. To put the word in your mouth. And to live this gospel. You're built to do it. You're built for this message. You're built to the rapture. God has formed you for this purpose. The dynamics that Brother Andrew and Brother David Merrick talked about that you experienced on a, on a weekend at camp, that's not just for camp. That's for now. You've been built to channel the power of God. Don't leave it there at 8444 Mount Baker Highway. Don't leave it at some special meetings. God help us. I said, Lord, what do you want to do tonight? What do you want to do amongst us tonight? I don't care who's not here. You're here. <laughs> so he's here. I said, well, that was certain such and such a night. God was moving so mightily. Uh-huh. He could move here tonight. So mightily. What is your, what's your deep craving for? Are you calling for it? Are you pulling on it? Are you desiring saying, Lord, tonight, someone that's, been, that's confessed, they went through a prayer line, but maybe tonight is the night where that becomes manifestation. I said, oh God, maybe tonight is the night when blind eyes open and Evie says, wait a second, I can see. Tonight could be that night. Yes, sir. That could be the night I see someone running through the doorway. Say, wait a second. 
That looks like Henry Walner. Amen, Sister Elizabeth. Henry's here. Guess what it must be? It's moving on time. That's the time we're in. That's what I'm expecting. Because that's what I'm built for. That's what you're built for. You've been crafted for this moment. Now, this fellowship, as we've talked through these last couple services, to bring to an Eden union. But you know, we all get crafted a little differently. God puts us through molding, different moldings, different shapings. The song says, maybe not quoting it totally right, but some through the water, some through the flood, some through great trials, but all through the blood. Different ones have different situations. Some have difficult struggles, different trials. I thought of Paul as he went there, had to lay his head down on a block, had fought. My goodness, he said, I know that we're bound to a base. Went through all the different hardships that Paul went through and laid his head down on the, on the block there to have his sword take his head. He stood there and says, I fought the good fight. It wasn't a moment of defeat. Though the trials were hard, though the molding was difficult, and as the potter molded a certain person or a certain character and such in Paul, but Paul came to the end of his purpose when it was his time to go, and it was all victory. All things work together for the good to those that are called according to his purpose. That's why Paul could say, no matter the struggle, no matter the trial, here I am in the end. Death, where is that sting? Grave. Where's your victory? How many martyrs of old went through terrible circumstances, but they were expressing a certain aspect. They were expressing the ox anointing. Oh, my goodness, they had certain attributes that God was wanting to express through them. Amen. And God has certain attributes that he's going to express through you. Not everybody's identical. Not everybody's identical. And I thought as we go through different scriptures... And we can read so many of the victories and we get so much inspiration behind them because it's the Word of God. It's meant there for It's to give us strength. It's to give us hope. It's to give it to feed and to, that we can then in turn take the Word and defeat the enemy in our day. But I thought, my, do we realize though the molding of the potter that was required to bring those stories and those instances in Scripture to pass? You know, I thought, you know, here, there, Mary Magdalene is an incredible story. She's delivered to seven demons and her stories in scripture. But I go back before that and be like, oh my goodness, what did she have to endure as she came up to that moment where then God delivered her? And we maybe don't think about all that. And maybe even afterwards, the, the scars that she still bore after, that she had to still deal with as after her deliverance and such, or the blind man. That was there because God said, the scripture said, as Jesus passed by, he saw a man that was blind from his birth. To think that this one, he had never seen a thing. He had stood in darkness all his life. You, you think that would be, try and imagine that. And never knowing what anything looks like. Zippo, you don't know the world you live in. You don't know what a tree, you don't know what the water, you don't know what nothing looks like, flowers in your family. Zippo, he had a mom and dad. He knew nothing. You think that was easy? 
No, but God was molding him in a certain way, allowing certain circumstances because there came a time when the, the word and flesh was going to walk on the scene and he was going to say, bring glory to his name. So he had fashioned this one in a certain way and said, it's okay. In his mind, he knew the potter knows. The potter knows all things work together to the good to those that are called. And so there he was. Who, who's this? Did this man sin? Was it his parents? Who, 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 uh, why was this one born blind? What did he do? <laughs> Nothing. Neither has this man sinned, nor his parents, but that the works of God should be made manifest in him. Hallelujah! That's, we take comfort in that. But I want you to realize there was a lot of molding going on. That poor man was on the wheel. He had some hard times. He had some long, dark days, literally and figuratively, as he had to ponder, oh God, why am I like this? Why am I born blind? How come I don't see nothing? I, I would long to see my parents. I long to see something. I, just a twinkle of light maybe. Oh God, just open my eyes to see some light. No. you for a certain purpose because when I come on the earth I need you in a certain place so that you can glorify me you might be on a certain wheel you might have gone through and maybe we'll go through some very difficult moments but I want to tell you because God has a planned purpose in your life that he might be coming down at a certain time, at a certain hour, but an EBA, because he has a moment when he's going to bring glory to his name. Amen. Amen. My goodness, there was a baby there. We think of the different ones even that had victorious moments. Joshua, stop the sun. You know, I think of Joshua as he had to do, he had a second man with Moses, and he had to take the heat and block for Moses with two million people. Do you know how much headache he had to go through? <laughs> a lot. A lot of situations and issues and discern, dis discerning situations. I can't even imagine what Joshua had to do. Oh, but Joshua stopped the sun. No, God had to mold a certain person. <sighs> So he could handle those moments. And we just see, oh, Joshua, the mighty warrior. But Joshua was on the wheel. We need to look back sometimes in the lives of these scriptures. Say, whoa, whoa, it's me. I got so many problems. I need to be like David. Well, David sat a long time alone with the flock. Do you want a lonely, lonely life? He had a harp and he sang many psalms. He's all alone. In shady green pastures. Da da da. Mighty warrior. Yeah. But there's other aspects of his life. David went through a lot of hardship. <sighs> Hannah. And we look as all oh, received a son from a barren womb. But oh, what about all prior? As she was scorned, reproached. Don't you have a baby? How can I think it was? So do you have me? No, and she travailed and groaned. Eli saying, she's drunk. And she bore the hurt, emotional, the distress. 
We just look at, oh, God gave her a son. That's wonderful. But God had her on the wheel for that moment so that it could bring inspiration to another Hannah that says, I need a son. I desire a baby. And she also is on the same wheel as she's desiring life to come. But if a barren womb can bring life into there and you're on the wheel just like she was on the wheel, then you can also receive life like Hannah received life. Hallelujah. Mary. You know, we think of Mary, be it unto me according to your will, O Lord. You know, Mary had to bear the reproach of essentially a fornicator because they all thought it was an illegitimate child. And here Mary had to bear the shame of that. Untrue, but the shame of it. He says, some things... You bear, you go through different struggles, maybe different circumstances, and you bear the burdens, the reproach, the shame. But I just want you to know, it's just you on the wheel. And the master potter has your purpose and view in his mind. Amen. And you're built, you're formed, and you're crafted for this moment. I might just say momentarily, I had it boxed off in my notes. I didn't know if I'd go here. But I might just momentarily. You know, the sovereignty of God is an incredible thing. You know, why, why that lump of clay? Why, how did God reach down and, and that was me and not so and someone else? You know, and, and our human minds sometimes want to try and rationalize. Well, wh- why me? There's no way to rationalize. It's just all grace. It's the sovereignty of God. Amen. You say, well, why, you know, why did God choose, choose me? Or why did Moses get picked? Or, you know, why Job for such? And, but just God chose. And, you know, out of the same lump, God pulled the clay. And he won for a vessel of mercy, Scripture says. And, or one for wrath. And his hand reaches down there and grabs one or, or another. But, you know, what, what if God never chose you? And just left you to your own self? You would definitely be a vessel of wrath. Indeed, because there's no power that you or I have within ourselves to fit ourselves for heaven. Impossible. Amen? So if we're left to our own selves, we're definitely destined for hell. So it needs God in his sovereignty. And and one commentator said, there's no reason in the world why man, any man, should be saved apart from the sovereign and distinguishing grace of God. If the Lord permitted the whole human race to perish... I thought this, I pondered this a little, for a little bit. If, he, if God had permitted the whole human race to perish, he would have been infinitely just. And throughout eternity, the angels would have hymned him in songs of adoration. Think about it. There's actually nothing that God required. He would have been just. We're born in sin, shaped in iniquity. Nothing of our own merits. Nothing required him to save us. And if he didn't save nobody... He would have still been just. Think about that. If he'd chosen even a few spare people, sparing maybe but a few, who would have been an act of, it would have been an act of surprising mercy. And judge, mercy and judgment would have constituted the two elements of an eternal song, even if it was just a few. However, he goes on to say, as he has taken so much of the clay and has been pleased to make an innumerable vessels of mercy as the stars of heaven, 
Take heed that when you think of the number of the redeemed, you do not mar the idea that God is still sovereign. He had he saved but one, you would have said it was an instance of absolute sovereignty. Though he has saved tens of thousands, the sovereignty is just as absolute as it was before. Amen. Think about it. God is sovereign. Amen. And you could, he could have left you or I to all our evil nature and all that Satan could make out of us. And we, might have, we couldn't even have murmured because God's sovereign. Amen. If he'd permitted us to go into drunkenness without sending the gospel to you or I. Maybe or if he allowed us to reject the gospel. But he's made us what we are, not as a result or any compulsion of our merit. Zippo, demanding a debt from God or nothing of our own effort. But we are what we are as the effect of the sovereign election of God. Amen. Amen. I just wanted to just to put that in there. Sometimes we, you know, why this or why me or why this person, whatever. It's God's sovereignty. Just let it go. Just don't, don't even try and reason through it. God chose you. He elected you. He called you for a purpose. That's final. Amen. You know, Satan, he was built for a purpose too. And I, bet, I tell you right now, he's going to try and fulfill every bit of it. That's one person that's not going to haphazardly fall back on you be like, well, I'm going to get halfway to my purpose. <laughs> no. He's going to try to destroy, to break, to do whatever he can, God's purpose and God's people, and try to bring to ruin the fellowship of the mystery, if I could put it that way. But heavy on the word try. Heavy. Heavy on the word try. And I, just before we come to a, come to a close somehow, somewhere... I think whoever said somewhere, I need to find an exit, and I'm there. I'm screaming down the freeway, down the I-5, going really quick, and I'm going to take an exit very fastly. So, pay attention. But here, Satan desires to break the fellowship, or I'd say defeat the purpose of God. And there's a few ways that I just noted down that, and how the devil does this, and I thought after camp, maybe there's, we had taken a little thought before camp, on faking. And you know, one of the ways that Satan would try to hinder the power or the purpose, I should say, is that he tries to impose, and it's a very large trap, the imposter syndrome. And just draw from the, the prior service a little bit. And to make you believe that you're an imposter, rendering you really useless as a contribution to the fellowship of God. And so people, you can get people, especially after these meetings, and the Satan's going to come really, really, really strong. And people, they're born again, they're saved, but they get under a cloud of condemnation. And imposter syndrome actually is a real thing. It's a psychological occurrence, actually. People doubt their skills, their talents, or their accomplishments. And they have this persistent, internalized fear of being exposed as a fraud. Not that they are a fraud, but despite the external circumstances or evidence of their competence, they feel they're not. And so it's actually, they feel like I'm an imposter when really they're actually doing all the right things. This is in the natural aspect. Those experiencing this phenomenon, they don't believe they even deserve their success. And they might even think that they're deceiving others because they feel they're not as intelligent as they outwardly portray themselves. Incredible. This people live under this. And it creates a fear on the people. And I actually started first, uh, one of the studies, that they found it was more prominent in the women. I thought, my, 
And that a type can be happening in the church on a spiritual, on a natural versus spiritual. And to deliberate or de- debilitate, I should say, the output of what, they're, of what someone's doing. And so despite all the, the, uh, the academic and accomplishments and the professional aspects, they experience this and they start to believe that they're really not smart at all and they fooled everyone and, and then they become plagued with anxiety and they become plagued with all the, the self-hatred and insecurities and even to the point where they start contemplating suicide. Total untruths. All on the basis of something in their mind that's been conjured up when really the evidence shows otherwise. This is imposter syndrome. And I thought, my goodness, I wonder how many people that Satan is already trying to throw that down someone's spiritual throat. Right after you say, oh no, you've got spiritual imposter syndrome. And every day you get in the morning and you get up and the devil's already pounding on you. You're not good enough. You're not saved. Really, you didn't. That was just an emotional experience. And you're in your Bible and you're, oh God, you're praying. You're listening to the message. And you're, you're living that Christian life. You're living a holy life. But still, devil's just pounding you. You're never, you're really not a Christian. Look at the mistake you just did right there. Huh, would a Christian do that? Look at that mistake. You spoke harshly there. Oh, and Satan's right there. But Abraham says, I made many mistakes. Still make them. Always will make them. But when I make them, the Holy Spirit tells me it's wrong. Devil never wants to do that. If you go back to the skit we did before the throne, and there was Brother Matthews acting out the part, and he made a little mistake, and he, oh, God, forgive me for that. I didn't mean to do that. And here the devil came at the end and said, ah, look back at that. He brought back always a mistake. But he never brought back the fact that he said, oh, God, Forgive me for that. He never wants to bring that up, does he? No, 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 sir. He's always bringing you aware of all the issues, but he never brings you aware. You must do that. That's under the blood, devil. I put that under the blood, devil. That's what Brother Branham says. He says, he says that I walk right in the same thing because no, just sooner as it comes from my lips, if we confess our sins, he's just to forgive them. Is that right? He says, the devil say, you know what? I tell you, you were supposed to go do a certain thing. You didn't do it. You sinned, didn't you? I say, I confessed it. Well, I tell you, no, don't talk to me. No, sir. I have perfect faith in he who told me if I confess my wrongs, he would forgive me. So I confess it, and I go on away from me. I don't care about nothing about you anyhow, so just keep moving on. You have that conversation with the devil as he tries to put on a little syndrome onto you after a condemnation that can get so thick till you come to the point where you want to commit spiritual suicide. No, sir. No, sir. You say, that's a pack of lies, devil. You said, no, don't talk to me. You take this quote from Law or Grace. You put that in your Bible or somewhere that you need to see it all the time if he's pounding at you. You say, I have perfect faith. Amen. In he who told me that if I confess my wrongs, he would forgive me. Done. Done. Over. I don't care nothing about you. That's a good thing to say to the devil. I don't care nothing about you. I'm here to tell you tonight that you are loose of that. Amen. Amen. Scripture says power to bind and power to loose. I tell you under the authority of God, you're loose from that. You are not an imposter. All right. Musicians, why don't you come and help me? And I'll close. There's a lot of other ways Satan tries to break the purpose of God. But boy, does he pour it on to try and break you down individually. And I know you can go, my mind and my notes even 
go to Job so quickly. Brother Brown says, God's not afraid to put you on trial. <laughs> oh, yeah, he says. Satan said, you know, you got them all hedged up, speaking of Job. God says, uh, he goes, oh, my, he said, God's not afraid to put his eagles to a test flight. He's depending on you. Amen. Think about that. He's depending on you. He wasn't afraid to put Abraham to test flight. He said he's not afraid to put Abraham's seed to test flight. Because he's depending on you. God's depending on you. You know what, though? He's already putting you what you need to accomplish his purpose. Amen? So he's depending on you, but he's already poured into you what you require. Isn't that beautiful? Amen? Job didn't need anything else but what he already had. He had a relationship. He had fellowship with the, with the king of glory. And so when, when he went through the deep darkness, guess what brought him through? His connection with Almighty God. Think of, I think of those Hebrew boys. You know, one of these stories in the scripture that we always go to, oh my goodness, what an amazing thing that they went through these certain things. But I wonder if we realize as they were yanked out of their home, captivity, out of, who knows what happened to their families, we don't know nothing about that, and what distress and what they went through. And here again, on the molding wheel, as the potter is molding them and shaping them for a certain period of time. And Brother Brown says the Hebrew children, God had purpose for them when they were down in Babylon. So he has purpose for you here in Laodicea. And the furnace was het, het, I love it. It was het seven times hotter than it ever was heated to destroy, what was it? To destroy the purpose of God. Satan is out to destroy the very purpose of God in your life. He said, and Babylon was on a rage. <laughs> Laodicea is on a rage, if you didn't get that hint over the last little while. It's on a rage, and they were determined. He said Satan was to destroy the purpose of God, for he knew those children was going into the furnace. Anybody here in a furnace? All right, thank you. Yes, sir, one of them is out there in a furnace. Indeed, he, so he made the furnace when they heated it seven times hotter to be sure that the program of God would be destroyed. Ha, think about it. The devil was there. He's all happy. He's got everybody down. He's made it so that the Hebrew boys didn't bend or bow. He's like, I got him. I did it. Make that thing seven times hotter. This is for certain going to destroy all that God desired. I know he tried to mold them. I know he tried to shape them. But I'm going to destroy the very purpose right here. Because I'm going to put them in a furnace seven times hot. He said, but God wanted to display his power. Amen. And all Babylon and all hell could not defeat that purpose. Think about it. Babylon was a pretty big superpower. All Babylon, all hell, all hell can't defeat the purpose that God has for you. It don't matter what devil, how many devils, all of hell could be, you know, when they put a lot of pressure on something, you know, how many thousand pounds of PSI, when it's spread across a huge area, it's not that much. But if you take something like a thousand pounds and you put it on a pinprick, that's a lot of pressure. All of hell, all of it, thousands and billions of pounds of spiritual pressure could be pinpointed right on you. <laughs> and you think you would crush? No. Never. Brother Adam said, all Babylon and all hell was on top of the boys. But he said, God, nothing could defeat the purpose. No, sir. No matter if they could heat the furnace a million times. 
it would never have destroyed the purpose of God. Amen. Because God wanted to show that he was the God of deliverance. What if God's wanting to show that he's the God of deliverance in your life? So I'm just saying tonight, you might be on the wheel like the Hebrew boys were on a wheel. And they were in a circumstance, they were in a situation that was the worst they'd ever been in. I don't know about you, but I've never walked into a furnace seven times hot. Quite literally. No, but you might have walked into a situation or a circumstance or a family situation or emotional deal or a struggle or something, something mental, something financial. I don't know, something that's incredibly hot. But God is there because he wants to show that he's the God of deliverance. He's the God who fights for me. Lord of every victory. Hallelujah. Amen. That's why he brought Israel to the Red Sea. Oh, what is going to happen? Moses, do something for us. There's a big Red Sea in front of me. Oh, that's okay. I'm just here. Speak, Moses. I'm the God that's going to deliver you. Amen. Let's stand tonight. Glory be to his name. He's your God. He's my God. And nothing, nothing will break this fellowship. My goodness, I had Job on here. I had Brother Branham on here. I had Horatio Spafford on here. I got a lot of different ones that went through some crushing times. Crushing times. I want to sing Bloodline. I do want to sing that. I'm going to get there. Brother Branham, when he had his children die, Little, little Sharon Rose. Ah, Satan came to him. He says, now what do you think of it? Even your darling little baby. He's going to take you from your arms. How cruel. Think about it. Trying to break. I stood by bones beating together. I thought, where could I go? Satan speaking. He says, I would go out and get on drunk. You never drank in your life, but I'd do it now anyhow. He told you not to do it, but I'd do it anyhow. I'd show him who was boss. This is Satan speaking. Satan trying to break the purpose. I said, Satan, I can't. He's the boss. It was all down to the main spring. He's speaking about having, a, having the Holy Ghost experience, not on a spirit level, but on a soul level. He said, I walked up that road. He said, Mr. Eisler came up the road and he jumped out of the car. He said, Billy, I want to ask you something. I seen you crying up there in that tent. I heard you preaching how you enthused about the message, how you're bringing and how you're bringing to the people. Now what does it mean? Oh, what about down at our level? As we go through our trying difficulties, as the molding potter is molding us, going through our struggles. Oh, and this is so difficult. Here he has had to bury his little child, as some of you have even maybe even done. And you go through the difficult strain. And Mr. Eisler comes and says, what do you mean now? Is, do you still love him? Would you still say you'd serve him? I said, Mr. Eisler, if he sent me to hell, I'd still love him. For there had been something placed in here that is no longer I, but it's him. Because he's placed in you. He's built you. Your fabric, your spiritual fibers is built to withstand any breaking that the devil would try to put on you. But just remember that you're on the wheel. 
and God has a purpose that he will not half make. He won't get halfway. He's going to bring you all the way to Eden Fellowship into a rapture with him. It will be all three parts of that purpose with you. Amen. Amen. I want to sing Bloodline. Say, well, that's kind of an odd song to to sing at the end, maybe. But better, uh, let's sing it. Because Satan can't cross it. He can't cross it. He couldn't do it, Brother Branham. He couldn't do it there with Hebrew boys. Whoever it is, Satan can't cross that. It's a barrier, as I said, a hedge. I could say an invincibility. (laughs) Shield about you. Amen. Let's sing that like, like we mean it. Amen. Some of you have been through these moments. Some of you have been on a real crushing wheel. And you can sing with all your heart. Maybe someone hasn't been there. Their road's been a little different. But maybe it's coming and you can be a strength to them. Sing it from your heart now. Can't tell. I just want to tell you, Satan. I'll sing the chorus first. Oh, and I just want to tell you, Satan. You can't Yeah. 
Brother Branham says, he speaks about the scarlet streak. This is why I wanted to sing this song. He says, the scarlet, there's a scarlet blood thread. I wrote that's holding on to you. He says, I, did, I put it's wrapped around you. The quote Brother Brown says that way in eternity is just endless. And he said when Satan upset this program, there's this little block started back there and it dropped down. He said it comes along for a certain space and it's called time. This little block called time. And it goes back again. He goes, it doesn't cease to be eternity. He says, some people, he says, well, we'll be in eternity. We're in eternity. He says, this little block of time dropped down into a time limit. He says, and Christ is standing back at the beginning, at the end when it started. He foresaw everything would be. And he just come down to redeem the sinner and to bless us and went up and standing at the other end of the road. And he says, making a blessed old highway across the way is that scarlet streak of blood. Amen. In some glorious day, he says, we'll take hold of that blood there. He's tied, he says, to time. Hallelujah. We're tied to the blood streak. We're wrapped in the blood streak. Nothing can take you. Satan can't cross it. He can't pull you off it. He might try to take his scissors and try to cut the cord. He might try to find a weak link. There ain't no weak link. No, sir. Hallelujah. He might, and Brother Branham says, he'll give it a pull. He'll give that scarlet streak a little pull. And you and I are attached to that. And he says the church will be lifted out. And the third aspect of the purpose of God will be fulfilled. Hallelujah. He said eternity will roll on just the same. He knowed all things that had to be infinite and immortal. Hallelujah. Satan can't cross that. Tie yourself to the blood streak. Let God, because at one point in time, he's going to pull it. And you and I are just going to be lifted out of this little block of time back into eternity. Amen. Oh, my, I was just thinking of the devil there looking for a chink. I know he's trying to find it. He's trying to search through all of time, try and find the weakest link. I said, ah. There's no weak link, devil. I don't care what you might think. What you might think of your weaknesses and your difficulties and your circumstances and your personality, I don't really care. You're wrapped in the blood streak and that rips around you. There's no weak link because anytime the shears of death, bink, bink, they will never detach you from the love of God. I just want to tell you, Satan, as we go, I just want to tell you, Satan, you can't go wrong. I'm so thankful that we can be wrapped in the blood streak of your word. Oh, God. Lord, in the wicked, vile aspect of this world and this age, the difficulties, oh, Lord, and all that surrounds us. But, Lord, we're protected because, Lord, we've come and encountered. We've robed ourselves 
in the word of this hour, our protection. Lord, as Eve stepped away and out of the word, this Eve is behind the word, Lord, believing every word of it. Lord, not daring to step one way or the other. That's why your prophet could scream out, stay in line, stay in line, oh God. This little bride, God, give us the fortitude and strength. We'll stay in line because, Lord, your purpose must come to pass. There'll be a people ready to leave in a twinkling of an eye. So we pray, Lord, tonight maybe something blesses someone's little soul. Lord, they be encouraged tonight to go home. They could be singing the song. I've got the bloodline wrapped around me. And I'm going to tell the devil you can't cross it. Not today, not tomorrow, not any day. Lord Jesus, I send each one home in your presence. Lord, dismiss them, Lord. May your glory be wrought through their lives, we pray. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. 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 God bless you. You can't be broken from this fellowship. Amen. You ain't faking it, and he ain't breaking it. God bless you. You can turn around and shake each other's hand. While you're doing that, you can sing, I'm in that number as we leave. I'm in that number. Amen. God bless you. I'm in that number. Oh, I'm in that number.
Thank you.